Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the final chapters of Mark's Gospel, entitled, A Saviour's Love. The Bible readings from Mark chapter 16 and verses 1 through to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Solomon, bought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Just as he told you, trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Can you imagine the roller coaster of emotions on that first Easter morning? The woman, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Solomon were there when they tried Jesus. They were there when Jesus was crucified and when he died. They were there when they took his body down from the cross and they laid his body in Joseph's tomb. And they were there when they rolled that big stone over the entrance. How would they be feeling? Sure, there's a possibility that some of Jesus' followers might have had faith that they would see him again someday. But just not that week or on this planet. They they might have had the faith that they would see him someday in paradise, in heaven. But it was beyond their expectation that they would ever see Jesus alive again on earth, risen from the dead. And so when they see that massive stone being rolled over the entrance, all their hopes and dreams and expectations come to an end. The only thing left to do now is one last act of devotion for someone they believed in, someone they had cared for, and someone they loved. And so we read in Mark chapter 16 and and verse 1, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices so they could go so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. They wanted to anoint Jesus' body. 
You see, they hadn't been up all night baking cake for Jesus' welcome back party. You know, their hopes might have been on the resurrection, but their money was on funeral spices. They had no doubt that they were going to meet a corpse in that tomb. And so they wanted to anoint Jesus' body, as Jewish custom was. They would anoint a body with spices to decrease the stench of a decomposing body. But it was also an act of devotion. Kind of like we would put flowers on a grave. Now they most likely wanted to do this as soon as Jesus was buried. But it was too late. Too close to the Sabbath. Which started at Friday sunset. Soon as the sun set. And Jews were forbidden to do any work on the Sabbath. And they were forbidden to perform any funeral rituals on the Sabbath. So they had to wait until the Sabbath was finished on Saturday evening after sunset before they could go and buy some spices to anoint Jesus' body. And now on Sunday morning, it's the first opportunity that they have to perform this act of devotion and anoint Jesus' body. And so we read in verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, that Sunday, the first day of their working week, just after sunrise, the sun has just risen. And they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They're full of grief. And this is probably why it's not such a well thought out excursion. It's only as they arriving at the tomb that they think about the issue of the big stone blocking the entrance. Who is going to roll that away? The stone would have been about six feet in diameter. It would have weighed hundreds of tons. Not tons, sorry, hundreds of pounds. (laughs) And and they would have rolled the stone down a slope to, to cover the entrance so it's easier to block the entrance. To open the entrance, you have to roll that stone back up the slope. There is absolutely no way three women are going to roll that big stone back up the slope. Who is going to roll the stone away? Is this where grief gives way to the feelings of helplessness? Nothing's going right. We've brought these, bought these spices and we're not even going to be able to mourn him properly. Why? 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 But they're in for a shock. Verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. They were alarmed. Who has moved the stone? They, they look inside the tube, expecting and hoping to see Jesus' dead body. But instead, they see a young man sitting there with a white robe. Where is the body? What have they done with the body? Why won't they just leave him alone? 
And who's this mysterious stranger? And how did he move that stone by himself? And so quite naturally, they are alarmed. And it's probably only later that they discover that this young guy was an angel. You see, unlike popular belief, angels in the Bible aren't depicted with halos and wings. But they're depicted as men, normally wearing white clothes. And this angel says to them in verse 6, Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. How does he know that? He has risen. He is not here. And it's as if the angel is responding to the look of disbelief on the woman's faces. Then he invites them to examine the evidence. See the place where they lay him. The woman look and they see nothing but an empty tomb. The angel says in verse 7, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. On his journey to Jerusalem, Jesus had three times predicted his death and that three days later he would rise again. But he didn't just predict his death, he actually predicted exactly how he would die. Now that's quite something to be able to predict exactly how you're going to die and fulfill that. But it's something else altogether to be able to predict how you're going to rise from the dead and fulfill that. And that's exactly what Jesus did. For example, on the night before Jesus was crucified, he said to his disciples in Mark chapter 14 and verse 27, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's a reference to Jesus' death. And in verse 28 he says, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus predicted that he would rise from the dead, and he did. And so the angel tells the woman to go and tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus has risen from the dead and that he will meet them in Galilee. But why is Peter singled out? Tell the disciples and Peter. He's singled out because of his three denials of Jesus. You see, all the disciples abandoned Jesus. All the disciples failed Jesus, but none more than Peter, who disowned Jesus three times. This is Jesus' way of affirming to Peter, affirming that even though Peter abandoned him and failed him, Jesus has not given up on Peter. Jesus still believes in Peter. Jesus has forgiven Peter. Jesus is calling Peter to resume his discipleship, to become his follower again. And we will all, at times, 
many times deny Jesus. We will deny Jesus with the things we say, things we do, with our thoughts. And there might be times where you'll think, Jesus must have given up on me. But Jesus never gives up on you. Jesus always continues to believe in you and forgive you and to call you to come back to him. And later, Jesus does meet up with all the disciples and Peter and they see Jesus face to face. Now we've lost the end of Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel stops very abruptly in verse 8. And so we never get to read the account, Mark's account of how Jesus met up with Peter and how the reunion between Jesus and Peter. But we know it happened because of the other three Gospels and even Paul's letters. So for example, in Luke's Gospel, we are told how Jesus met up with Peter and all the disciples. And after they all recovered from the shock of thinking they'd just seen a ghost, they spoke with Jesus. They, they touched Jesus. And they ate a meal with Jesus. How mind-blowing is that? Imagine for a moment. You've seen someone die. You have buried them. And three days later, you're eating a meal with them. Isn't that impossible? Yes, it is. But that's God. God does the impossible. It's a mystery. But that's God. There's no doubt for the disciples. There's no doubt that they have seen a physical, resurrected Jesus. They are so certain of the fact that they have seen Jesus physically risen from the dead and they've touched Him and spoken to Him and eaten with Him that they are prepared to die for that claim. In fact, they all, except for John, are martyred for holding on to the testimony that Jesus physically rose from the dead. The evidence Jesus predicted that He would rise. From the dead. The stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. The angel said, He has risen. And they all saw Jesus face to face. They spoke to him, they touched him, they ate food with him. But what is the significance of Jesus rising from the dead? What does it mean? It means that Jesus was right. It's God's way of proving that Jesus is right. That everything that Jesus said is true. You see, Jesus said that He was the unique Son of God. But the Jewish religious leaders killed Him as a blaspheming false prophet because of that claim. 
And God proves that the Jewish religious leaders are wrong and that Jesus is right by raising him from the dead. Jesus is the unique Son of God. Secondly, Jesus said that he has come to give his life as a ransom for many. That means that through his death, he has dealt with sin. All sin, our sin, my sin, your sin. How do we know that's true? How do we know that Jesus has dealt with our sin? We know it because God raised him from the dead. Therefore, we don't, we don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to go to a tomb. We don't have to go to some special building to find forgiveness. No. We don't go to a place. We go to Jesus. We go to the risen Jesus who has dealt with our sin. And Jesus claimed that if we deny ourselves, if we take up our cross and if we follow him, we will experience life, eternal life. How can we trust that claim? How do we know that Jesus is telling the truth? Because Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus conquered death. No one has ever done that before. No one has been able to conquer death. You see, death is our great enemy. We can't beat it. But Jesus did. And through faith in Jesus, so can we. Because Jesus conquered death, because Jesus lives and is alive today, we have a sure and a certain hope for the future, eternal life for those who put their faith in Jesus. So what is the significance of Jesus being raised from the dead today for us? It means Jesus is the unique Son of God. It means that Jesus has dealt with all sin, our sin, my sin, your sin. It means that Jesus has conquered death. And therefore, if we turn to Jesus, if we put our faith in Jesus, we can experience forgiveness and be restored to a right relationship with God. And we can be renewed. And we can experience a sure and a certain hope for the future. Eternal life. As the song says, because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear has gone. Because He holds the future, life is worth living just because He lives. Let's pray. As we come to pray, let's reflect for a moment. Let's reflect on who in the story do we identify with. The woman who feel hopeless, yet they came to the tomb. They did not have any hope, but they came. And when they left, they were changed. They were filled with awe and wonder. They were renewed. Perhaps today you too feel hopeless. Feel that all is lost. If so, 
then you need to come and meet the risen Jesus today and have your hopes and dreams renewed. And as we pray now, in the quietness of your heart, call out to God. Call out to the risen Jesus and ask Him to reveal Himself to you afresh this morning. To renew you. To give you hope. Eternal hope. Or perhaps you identify with Peter. Perhaps you too have denied Jesus many times. Or, or perhaps you've even denied that you've ever had a spiritual life, a faith. God can't possibly love me anymore, not after what I have done. If that is how you feel, then you need to hear the risen Jesus saying to you, I'm waiting for you. I believe in you. I have never given up on you. I have plans for you. I love you. I love you so much that I died for you. Open your hearts afresh this morning to the risen Jesus and allow Him to minister to you afresh this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that You have raised Jesus back to life. And we so thank You that because of that, everything changes. We know our sin has been dealt with. We know that we have a hope, a sure and a certain hope for the future. And that knowledge it changes everything now. Oh, Heavenly Father, won't you reveal yourself afresh to us by your Holy Spirit? Reveal yourself and pour your love into our hearts afresh. Give us hope. Let us know that you never give up on us. You believe in us. You continue and always believe in us. And you call us back to yourself. We thank you that you love us so much that you were prepared to die for us. Simply because you love us and you want a relationship with us and you have a plan and a purpose for our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.